0: Christmas this week, even if it may have looked a little bit differently than past Christmases. I hope it was a sweet time for you and for your family. Um, my son is four and my daughter is turning two next month, which is hard to believe. Um, but so we had a great Christmas and they were filled with excitement and it was very loud, but a fun Christmas. And uh, we really just loved spending that sweet family time together. And uh, one of our favorite things that we did this season was drive around and look at Christmas lights together. And we went to the uh, light show here in town a couple of times, had a great time, and then um, somebody was nice enough to get us a pass to go down to the uh, light show in James Island. So we drove down there, and uh, we were all excited and then sat in traffic for what felt like a whole another year. And then we finally uh, were pulling up closer to the entrance, and we were about to go in, and there was a sign on the side of the road. And uh, my son from the back seat was like, "Dad, do you know what that sign means?" I think we have a picture of it here that we can show up on the slides. My son was like, do you know what that means? I was like, oh yeah, I do. But uh, what do you think it means? He's like, well, it means you have to be careful because up ahead, there could be flying reindeer and we don't want the car to get hit by flying reindeer up ahead. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll watch out for those. And then we pulled in through the entrance and we started going through the light show and there was reindeer lit up all around us. He was like, see, I told you dad, you have to be careful. They were coming and they told you. I was like, good one, son. Uh, He always keeps me laughing because he always says the most unexpected things. And this year has been filled with the unexpected, right? Uh, We never imagined that 2020 would look the way that it did when we celebrated New Year's last year, Um, but it truly has been an unexpected year. It seems like uh, a decade ago, but uh, early this year in January, Pastor Charlie laid out the vision and the challenge for our church in 2020. And that was who's your one for 100. We celebrated our 100-year anniversary. It was a great time as a church to celebrate all that God had done in and through this church, not just here in Monk's Corner, but around the world, Um, the impact for the kingdom that this church has made over the past 100 years. And so you just saw a video about who's your one, and it may have felt like a very long time since we've talked about this, but on this final Sunday of 2020, I wanted to help recap this theme and also challenge you to maybe for you to consider, should I bring this focus into 2021 as well? So who's your one for 100? Who's your one is a slogan for you to remember who is one person in my life that is close to me yet far from God. Maybe it's a family member, a neighbor, co-worker, somebody that you go to school with. Who's one person in your life that is close to you personally and yet far away From God. This morning, we're gonna talk about the value of one and the story of Andrew helps really highlight the value of one. We're gonna talk about that in a couple of different ways. But just in case you didn't grow up in church, um, Andrew was one of the disciples of Jesus. There was two sets of brothers that fished together and then Jesus called them to be his disciples. And one set of those brothers was Andrew, and his older brother, Peter. And then there was James and John. Apparently they all worked together. They were all good friends. They fished together. um, And then they started following Jesus together and they lived together and followed Jesus for three years. And so these two sets of fishing brothers were a part of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And so these men got to live with Jesus and learn from him and watch how he reacted to everything, listen to how he prayed. Uh, see the miracles that he did. But within these 12 disciples, there was an even uh, more special group, and there was this inner three. This inner three got to go with Jesus in his times of solitude and, and listen to him pray and talk to the Father, and they got to get even more insight into his teaching. And so this inner three included Peter, James, and John. And so two sets of brothers that fish together, work together, live together, were called to follow Jesus. And then imagine how you would feel if you were Andrew for a second. If you were in his shoes and you were following Jesus and your best friends came along with you and your brother came along with you and then all of a sudden you see that there's this inner group with Jesus and it's everybody else except for you. You may be disappointed, you may feel left out, you may feel... Like, am I, am I uh, insignificant? Am I not as valuable as my brother or my friends? What, what's the deal with this, Jesus? And then even after Jesus would leave, uh, Peter would be left as a leader of the disciples. Andrew's older brother was chosen over him. And so Andrew may seem uh, like an insignificant figure. He may not seem as important as some of the other disciples. And yet his story teaches us the value of one. So let's start together in John chapter 1. Let's read verses 35 through 42. It says, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Just as we just sang, Behold, the Lamb of God. John says this, and then in verse 37, it says, The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41 says, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together as a church and meet in person and worship you as you deserve. Father, I pray that this morning that you would give us ears to hear whatever you wanna say. Give us hearts to accept the challenges that you may lay before us, and God, give us hands to be obedient. Father, I pray for those that have walked in here this morning with all kinds of different feelings and baggage that they've carried in from a difficult 2020. And Father, if there's one in here that feels insignificant and they feel like they can relate to Andrew in this story, Father, I pray that you would remind them this morning of your great love. If there's one in here that is wondering why things are the way that they are in their life, Father, I pray that you would show them your purposes and your plans for them. Father, if there's some in here that are feeling disappointed because of plans that have been ruined this year, or maybe goals that haven't been met personally or professionally, Father, please remind them of your sovereignty this morning, that you are in control of every detail in this universe and in our lives. And Father, if there are some in here that are feeling discouraged because of Christmas looking differently than years past, or maybe they're feeling lonely because they're quarantined and they're watching online right now, Father, I pray that you would restore to them the joy of their salvation, and that this morning you would help us cling to the hope of the gospel. Father, we thank you for Jesus, and we pray this all in his name. Amen. All right, so Andrew's story shows us the value of one. And our first point this morning is this, is that there's value in one invitation. There's value in one invitation. In verse 36, it says that Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. So before Jesus comes onto the scene, John is at a river, he's baptizing people, he's calling people to repent of their sin. And apparently Andrew is there helping. He's one of the disciples of John the Baptist. And then as Jesus comes along and walks alongside them, John points and says, behold, the lamb of God, this is the Christ. This is the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. He's here. And Andrew hears John say that, sees Jesus and runs after Jesus and starts to talk to him and figure out who are you? Where are you from? Where are you staying? Where are you going? Can I be with you? And so Andrew leaves John the Baptist and begins to follow after Jesus. And the first thing the scripture says that he does is what You would think after all these years of waiting and finally Jesus is here, you would think that he would not wanna leave his side, that he would just want to be with this Jesus. Well, guess what? The first thing that he does is he turns around and he runs away and he runs toward the person whom he loves most, the person that he is closest with, his brother, Peter. He runs and he invites his brother to come with him, and to follow Jesus as well. And this one invitation would change so much in our world. The history books would forever be different without this one invitation from Andrew. Andrew invites his brother, Peter, to come and to see the Messiah, and that sets off a chain reaction for the kingdom of God. As you know, Peter would begin to follow Jesus. He would become a significant leader in the early church after Jesus left. He would uh, do miracles in the beginning chapters of the book of Acts. He would preach these public sermons and literally thousands of people would instantly turn to Jesus. He would train up countless leaders to become new pastors and missionaries around our world. And it all started with his little brother's Invitation. Andrew may not be the most famous person in history. He's definitely not even the most famous disciple or person in his family, and yet Andrew makes a huge impact on our world with just one word Come. Come. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Come. Come see the Messiah, the Christ, the one that we've been waiting for. He's here, brother leave your fishing and come and follow Jesus with me. My son's favorite Christmas movie is The Grinch and we watched it a couple of times this year and he loves it for whatever reason, makes him laugh or whatever. I love it because it's a great story of redemption and transformation and it's in one way reminds us the difference that Jesus can make in someone's life when they understand the true meaning of Christmas. And so he's watching it and we are laughing along and it comes to the part where uh, Mr. Grinch has a change of heart and comes down the mountain, returns all the presents. And it's interesting what he does then. And when he returns all the presents, he walks away by himself, back up the mountain to his house, closes the door behind him, sits down, and he sits down, Filled with shame and guilt. He's embarrassed of what he's done. And he thinks nobody wants to be with me. Nobody wants to be my friend. Even though I've brought their presents back, I feel so guilty over what I've done. And then all of a sudden, there comes a knock. And Cindy Lou, who's at his door, and and he opens the door, and she invites him down the mountain to Christmas dinner with her family. And he's standing there, just in amazement, in disbelief. He says, don't you know who I am? She says, yes. He says, don't you know what I've done? She says, yes. And so he says, well, then why would you want me to come down and spend Christmas and eat dinner with you and your family and your house? And in the 2018 version that we were watching, she says, because you've been alone long enough. And what if you and I, as Christians, we looked around us at the people that we come in contact with daily and we looked at them and we said, You have been alone long enough? What if we looked at them with new perspective, new care, new love? And we said, You have been alone without Jesus long enough. See, there's power in one invitation. And so what if in 2021, just like Andrew went and chased down his brother, what if you and I said to someone this coming year, come, come. What if you invited somebody to come to church with you? What if you invited somebody to come to your Sunday school class with you? What if you invited somebody to sit down over coffee or over a meal and just read a passage of the Bible and pray with them? Talk about spiritual things. Talk about the difference that Jesus has made in your life. What if God is calling you next year to invite somebody new into your life, to intentionally start a new friendship with someone for the purpose of inviting them to Jesus, to show them the same love that Christ has shown to you. There's value in one invitation. There's also value in one introduction. It's our second point for us this morning. There's value in one introduction. And so Andrew is kind of a behind-the-scenes guy. He doesn't pop up often, but there's a couple of different stories where he does. And so the next story where we see Andrew make an appearance is in John chapter 12. It says in John 12, verse 20, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Verse 22 says, Philip went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So the next time we see Andrew pop up, Jesus is ministering to some Jews, which is normal up until this time. He has been uh, doing miracles amongst Jews. He's been teaching Jews. His disciples are Jews. Even his opposition are Jews. And then in this story, some Greeks want to come and meet Jesus. Some non-Jewish people all of a sudden come up in the crowd and apparently Philip was on the security team for Jesus because they run into him first and they say, we want to meet Jesus. We want to come to him and speak with him and Philip doesn't know what to do. He just said, well, we've never, we've never had this situation come before. Is this okay? I, I don't know what to do. What's the protocol here? And so he runs and he finds Andrew. He says, Andrew, there's some Greeks. They want to meet Jesus. What do we do? Do we say yes? Do we say no? This has never happened before. Well, Andrew apparently is like, yes, we will introduce them to Jesus. And because Andrew doesn't shut the operation down, he goes, finds the Greeks, helps them through the crowd of people, to Jesus and introduces them to Jesus, and this may seem insignificant, but this makes Andrew the first foreign missionary. This is the first person to introduce non-Jews to Jesus. This is the first person to do cross-cultural ministry, introducing people to Jesus who are non-Jews. This changes everything. This makes Andrew the first foreign missionary in history, and. It shows how much he wants people to know Jesus. He has been transformed from the inside out by this relationship with Jesus. And he wants everybody to have that same experience, not just people who are like him. He wants everyone in the whole world to know about this Jesus and to have a relationship with him. And so he brings them to Jesus. And Andrew doesn't get much recognition for this. This isn't a well-known Bible story that we talk about often in church or in Sunday school. He doesn't get a pat on the back from Jesus at this. He gets no plaque, no trophy, no book deal, no TV show. He gets no fame out of it at all. And yet, in his faithfulness, he makes an enormous impact for the kingdom. Again, Andrew is this background guy. And he makes this enormous impact for the kingdom by introducing individuals to Jesus. First, his brother, and now this group of Greeks. So there's value in one introduction. Now many people have heard of Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was a shy Sunday school teacher who lived in Boston in the 1800s. And one day, Edward Kimball decided, I'm gonna go to a shoe store and try on some shoes. He intentionally chose the shoe store and the day that he would go because this previous Sunday an 18-year-old boy walked into a Sunday school class and he knew nothing about God. He knew nothing about Christianity. He was there to ask some questions, to get some information. And so Edward Kimball said, I'm gonna follow up with this man. And he found out where he worked and he went to this shoe store and he was frightened and trembling along the way. And he decided I'm gonna go in and I'm just gonna buy a shoes, a pair of shoes just so that I have an opportunity to have one-on-one time with this boy and be able to talk to him about Jesus. Problem was that he was known throughout his church and throughout his community as being a very timid, soft-spoken man. So he's walking along the road down to the store, he finally gets to the store, and he's so filled with nerves instead of opening the door and walking through, he walks on by the store, just keeps on going, keeps praying about it. And then he turns around, he says, I'm going to go in, and he goes back, and again he passes by. And he walks by time after time after time in front of the shoe store until finally he builds up the resolve to go in through the door. He goes in through the door, he finds the boy working there as a shoe clerk, and he starts to talk to him. And he tries on a couple of pairs of shoes so he can have a longer conversation with him. And he finds out that this boy truly knows nothing about the Bible. He didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't go to church. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know that Jesus died on a cross. He didn't know that Jesus came back to life, that he offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all who would trust in him. And so later in his personal journal, Edward Kimball wrote down, On that day, he said, I never could remember what I said. I said something about Christ and his love, and that was all. And he admitted that it was a weak appeal, but the boy, right then and there, gave his heart to Christ in that shoe store. The boy's name was D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody would go on to become one of the most influential evangelists of his time. He would also found Moody Church in Chicago and the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago as well. And throughout history, tens of thousands of people have testified that they came to Christ under D.L. Moody's preaching. Thousands of young men were trained at his church and his school for the ministry. Thousands of young women were trained to be sent out as missionaries. And D.L. Moody himself would lead another young man to Christ. This young man's name was C.T. Studd. And C.T. Studd became one of the great pioneer missionaries of the 19th century. And he would take the gospel to China, to India, and to Africa, to people who had never heard about Jesus before. And C.T. Studd is most remembered for saying, some want to live within the sound of a church bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. C.T. Studd would become one of the most influential missionaries of his time. And this great chain reaction of hundreds of thousands of people coming to Christ and thousands of people around the world hearing about Jesus for the very first time all began with one shy Sunday school teacher in a shoe store introducing a teenager to Jesus the best that he could. You see, there's power in one introduction. So in 2021, who can you introduce to Jesus? It doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you have to go to seminary and read a bunch of big books and know all kinds of fancy words. It doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to be very bold. Mr. Kimball's story reminds us of that. Your introduction just starts with treating others like Jesus treated you. See, there's value in one introduction. There's also value in one gift. It's our third point. There's value in one gift. The next time we see Andrew pop up in the Gospels is in John chapter six. Verse eight says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So if you've grown up in church, you may have heard this story before about how Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 people, probably even more than that when you add in the women and children. And these people are sitting on the side of a mountain, listening to Jesus teach, it starts to get dark, and Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, let's feed these people so that I can continue to tell them about the kingdom of God. Problem is there's no Chick-fil-A down the mountain. So they look around and they don't know what to do, and they start to panic. And who goes out and finds the boy? Andrew. Andrew goes out and he finds this boy who has five loaves, two fish, and he brings him to Jesus. Again, Andrew is a bringer. He brings his brother to Jesus. He brings the Greeks to Jesus. Now he brings this little boy with five loaves, two fish, and he says, I know that this is not much, but here you go, Jesus. This is what I can do here. Andrew is a behind-the-scenes worker. He is a bringer, and he believes that Jesus can use whatever we have for great things. One writer says this. I love this quote. It says, It's not the greatness of the gift that counts, but rather the greatness of the God to whom it is given. It's not the greatness of the gift that counts, but the greatness of the God to whom it is given. He takes the sacrificial and often seemingly insignificant gifts of people who give faithfully and he multiplies them to accomplish monumental things. So Andrew's role here in the feeding of the 5,000 reminds us that there is value in one gift. So bring what you have to God and watch the impact for the kingdom. So maybe this is helping you think through, okay, it's a a season of giving, it's a new year. What can I give to God? How can I serve my church, my community, my family, whatever it is, what do I have to offer to God? Maybe I don't really feel like I have much to offer. Well, dads, grandfathers, maybe the gift that you can offer is wisdom to the next generation. Moms, grandmothers, maybe your gift is hospitality. Maybe it's photography. Students, maybe your talent is music or sports. Kids, maybe it's that you are very friendly and you make new friends very easily. You can use all these things for God's kingdom when you bring them to him. There's value in one gift, not because of us, but because of the greatness of the God to whom it's given. There's value in one gift. And then finally, the fourth point is this, is that there's value in one life. There's value in one life. Mark chapter one says, passing along the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. In every story that Andrew is mentioned, he's always mentioned as the brother of Peter, right? So apparently he is not, very famous, he's not very well-known, and yet he makes an enormous impact for the kingdom of God because he offers his life up to Jesus. He goes from becoming a fisher of fish to a fisher of people. And tradition says that after Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples scattered throughout the earth. And the history books say that Andrew ended up taking the gospel north to Russia and possibly even on to Scotland. At the end, he was crucified in southern Greece near Athens. And one historical account says that he led a wife of a Roman governor to Christ, and it infuriated her husband. The husband demanded that his wife recant her devotion to Jesus Christ, and she refused. So this Roman governor had Andrew crucified but not on the traditional style cross. He was crucified on an X-shaped cross. And he was bound extra tight so that he would hang there for as long as possible. And he was crucified on this X-shaped cross on the side of a road. And the history books say that Andrew hung there for two days. And during those two days, he shared the gospel with everyone that passed by. The cross on that road. He truly used his life for the glory of God down to his very last breath. It's our Christmas Eve tradition for me and my wife that after we put the kids down to bed that we watch It's a Wonderful Life together. It's my favorite Christmas movie and in that movie Clarence says to George Bailey that each man's life touches so many others. And the story of Andrew reminds us of this, that his life though not very famously, touches so many others and changes the course of history. So there is value in one life and you may never make it into the history books, yet there is still value in your life and you can make an incredible eternal impact for the kingdom when you are faithful to Jesus and when you are bold like Andrew. So, Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian and you're thinking about this who's your one challenge and you're thinking about carrying it into the next year but you're not exactly sure how to do so. I Have some slides that may be of some help. First, you need to identify who is your one. So maybe it's a family member. Maybe um, it's a cousin, uh, um, an uncle, somebody in your family that, uh, that you can identify as your one. Maybe it's a friend. Uh, Who is it that you call, that you share your most exciting news with immediately? Who do you go to? Maybe that can be your one uh, for 2021, or maybe it's a neighbor, maybe somebody down the street or somebody next door to you. God's placed you strategically in this neighborhood for his purposes. Maybe you need to identify one of your neighbors as your one. Then once you've identified them, you can start investing in them. I think we might have some slides with some pictures for that. So uh, ways to start investing in them. Maybe you start asking them about, hey, how can I pray for you? Uh, you send them a text, you give them a call. How can I start praying for you? Maybe that you give them some gifts uh, to start the conversation. Uh, maybe you take them out for coffee, you take them out for lunch, whatever it is. Um, start investing in that person by sharing some gifts. Maybe it's some encouragement. Uh, maybe you ask them, Hey, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? Or maybe it just starts by praying for this person each day. Maybe when you wake up, you immediately pray for your one. Maybe it's when you sit down as a family for dinner, you pray for that one together as a family. And then comes starting the conversation. And this can always be awkward, and this can always be a challenge, but how do I start the conversation with someone about spiritual things? Maybe you can ask them about about their spiritual background. Hey, did you grow up in church? It's Christmas time. Did you grow up going to Christmas Eve services? Yeah, okay, do you still believe what you heard when you grew up? Or do you believe something different now about God? And and how did you come to that belief? Um, Maybe you can ask them about their church background, where they are spiritually now. Maybe you can ask them about prayer. Hey, what can I pray for you about? I know we talk about surface level things a lot. We talk about sports, the weather, our hobbies, What's really going on in your life that I can pray for you about? Maybe that'll help start a deeper conversation, or maybe it's talking about the brokenness in our world. My favorite evangelism method is called three circles, and you start the three circles evangelism method by talking about what's broken in our world, and in 2020, it's really easy to identify that, right? There's lots of brokenness all around us, not just in uh, our world, but also in our personal life, and so you can ask them, hey, um, what? What, what brokenness do you see in our world? And what do you think is the solution to that? So I hope that encourages you this morning. If you're a Christian here, you're thinking about how to start this, who's your one challenge. I hope that you're encouraged, being reminded this morning about how God loves you. There's value in your life. Jesus, the good shepherd, he said that he would leave the 99 to go after the one because there's value in the one. But maybe this morning you're here and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here or you're watching online, you have questions about Christianity, you're thinking through all of this and you've never made the decision to follow after Jesus. My prayer for you is that you would start off 2021 on the right foot, that you would come into this new year with a new heart, a new family and a new purpose. And so the gospel, the good news about Jesus is this, is that he is fully God and fully man. He came down to earth to live a perfectly sinless life. Then he died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. Three days later, he rose again, showing that he is truly God and he can offer forgiveness of sins to whoever would turn from their sins and trust in him. He gives us the promise of eternal life to be with him one day forever in a world that is permanently Fixed, And it's my prayer for you this morning that you've never made that decision that today would be the day that you would do so. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for this challenge. Thank you for this church. I pray that you would help us to be able to apply this to our life. There's so many different ways that we can apply this, Lord, in whatever way you're calling us to respond. God, I pray that you would help us to obey you, to follow after you to put into practice whatever you're urging us to do. Father, I pray if there is one in here that has never put their trust in Jesus or one watching online, Father, that you would help them to turn from their sin, to put their trust in you and that you would forever transform their life. We thank you for all that you have blessed us with And we pray this all in Jesus' name.